Hi everyone, welcome to Care Package to Japan, where we showcase God's love for Japan through people and their stories. I am your host, Evangeline, and let's get started with episode one with Mark Morinishi. Today I have my very special guest, Mark Morinishi. He is my awesome friend, and he's also like an older brother to me, Mark. So, yeah, we um, we're in the same small group, and we're currently going through an awesome book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. And Mark is one of the online pastors, or or the online. Mark, correct me, I'm wrong. Like one of them. Yeah, I'm on the team. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, so he's the online pastor at Menlo Church, and before he moved to the Bay, he actually lived in Japan for a couple of years, and he's going to share with us a little bit about his experience in Japan. So hi, Mark. Thank you so much for joining joining me today. Banj, thanks so much for having me on. This is super fun. Yeah, it is. So glad that you're doing this. <laughs> yeah, episode number one. Awesome. Yeah, Mark, I know you relatively well, but for the people that don't know you or haven't met you yet, um, yeah. do you want to just tell the world a little bit about who you are? Um, what are some things that you're passionate about? Sure. Yeah. Well, my name is Mark, and like you said, I am on staff at Menlo Church, and I help out with our online ministry. And it is a kind of a roundabout way how I got into ministry. I actually went to school as a, an architect and a landscape architect. And so that's what I have my degree in from Cal Poly. And then did that for a few years. And then, like Van just mentioned, moved to Japan for a few years. And it was after being in Japan, getting back here, um, getting married and engaged to my wife, Missy, as well. Um, that's kind of what started me on the ministry journey. And that's kind of where it's led me for the last, I don't know, four or five years now. And what's something that's been kind of like life-giving for you in this season? I've been surfing a ton, and that has been really fun. Um, I mean, the weather was super warm here. Um, We got like that very typical super hot late summer, like August, September, October. And so Missy and I, we'd go surf with her brother and sister-in-law that were living in Japan, or they were actually living in uh, in Hawaii for quarantine and they got back here and we're all stoked on surfing so we would go out and that has been really fun so i've kind of kept up that rhythm and i actually got done surfing before we started this podcast cool so i surfed this morning yeah it's cool Mm -hmm. when you were in japan did you surf by any chance or did you like go watch i yeah i surfed once actually um and it was with some other friends that were living there from hawaii and they were living in Nagoya with us. And one day we rented a car and we drove to the beach um, in Aichi. And it was the first time they had to ever wear wetsuits because they were from Hawaii and the water <laughs> super warm there. So I just, I remember the surf was not good at all, but it was just really funny watching them trying to squeeze into wetsuits. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, so this podcast is about showcasing God's love for Japan. And before we dive deep into your time in Nihon or Japan, um, mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about, oh, not a little bit, but like what was the last Japanese food that you had? 
Oh, man. When I was in Japan oh, or recently? recently? Oh, recently. Uh, it was... It was a few days ago, actually, and it was just some, like, random bento box lunch oh um, that I got with, yeah, with my friend Chase. We went out and we had... Uh, we split some very California style sushi, and then we also got plate lunches of tempura and, um, yeah, I think I had like teriyaki chicken or something like that. It was good. Is it one of those that you get from a supermarket or like a sit down, like bento box? It was a sit down place. It was, we both never had been there before, but if you are looking for a recommendation and you're living in San Mateo, uh, causes downtown is a super small hole-in-the-wall cash-only bento place that has really cheap great lunch lunch food so definitely check that out if you're in san mateo nice thanks for the recommendation that sounds really good anytime yeah so i love to talk a little bit more about um your time in japan um i know a little bit about why you started i mean why you went there but for the people that don't know can you give a little Mm -hmm. context or background around why you decided to go to Japan. I think it was back in 2017. Was that it? Or Yep. Okay. Yep, I was there 2017. No. Yeah. 15 to 17, okay. I think. Okay. It was a little bit ago. Um Yeah, I think 15 to 17. And it was a little bit sparked there are a few a few different things. Um I wanted to live abroad. I think there was something in me that wanted to to go out and explore. And before that, I hadn't really been out of the country too much, just once or twice. And that was mainly to English-speaking places, too. So um, that, and then at the point that I was at in life, I was working in architecture. And I kind of had, um, I worked my way up from last person in line at the company to second person in line and so I was at a place career-wise where I was just like okay I could either do this forever and that would be it or I could take a little bit of a break I could go and see somewhere else and I could come back and work and my boss at the time that owned the company was like yeah go ahead go for it um you always have a job here and so work-wise it kind of made sense but I think bigger picture it was a, a little bit of God calling me back too um I when I was when I was younger, I was raised, raised Christian. My mom was actually my uh, children's minister oh, when I was I growing up that. in my little Japanese church in Anaheim. Yeah. So I would go, I mean, I just grew up in the church. Like I remember my mom would take us there and we'd play video games um, on the church computers when she was working and then went there all throughout high school. And then when I was in college, I never really went to church consistently. Um, and it was when I got done with with. Uh, college, I kind of, I don't know, I wanted to find my way back. And I think one of those things was um, God really saying, hey, like, if you want to follow me, then you have to follow me and you can't kind of do things your way. And at the career I was in, um, that was doing it my way. I was super comfortable, super like, I don't know, I could, I basically had all my life planned out and God was like, I think I have different plans for you. So (laughs) there's a little bit of nudge there to take a leap of faith and go and completely uproot myself, move to a place where I've never been before, um, couldn't really speak any of the language, even though I I am half Japanese. And there was a little bit of, okay, God, if I say yes to this, then I'm saying yes to whatever you have next for me as well. And so that's kind of everything that led up to 
my yeah transition from being here to going to Japan, and I took a job signing or er, doing after school teaching for English, like basically as a tutor. And so I didn't really know a ton about it either before I started, but it was just uh, okay. I interviewed at a few different places, and one 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 company I liked, and they were doing everything from little kids to um, adults and teaching all different kinds and styles. And so I thought that would be a good fit, and so I ran with it. That's that's yeah. awesome. I love that. Like mm-hmm. you had that nudge from the Holy Spirit or like God, and you took mm-hmm. the leap of faith to to do that Mm -hmm. that is very brave of you and i am so glad that you did that because now you have this whole experience to share with the world yeah yep and a lot of it too i have to give credit where credit's due is um missy my wife at my wife now she was also really gung-ho about going to japan Mm -hmm. too and at that time we were just starting dating um we didn't go over together like we went she ended up going as well um because that was something that she considered but she definitely and god definitely used her as that nudge to say hey this might be something you should do so she ended up going as well and i'm I'm sure she would love to be on your podcast too at some point Vange, because even though we're both in japan around the same time we both have two completely different stories and two completely different places and so um i don't want to want to spoil too much of that (laughs) but um, she was definitely a, a, a big vessel for God to also use because I didn't, I didn't know anyone there either. It was kind of just like a weird thing that, that happened, but at least having one person in the country was like, oh, okay, that makes it a little bit easier. Did you, did you felt like it was specifically for Japan? Like at that time when God called you to move abroad? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's, that's really cool. Um, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. And when you were in Japan, um, do you feel like living there and being there, like it grew your love for the culture and the people? If so, like what were some things that that you remember or that you recall that kind of like solidified that? Of course. There's just, I mean, when you go over there and you experience their the culture, like it's... I mean, everyone uses that term culture shock, but it really is like a, just a different way of living and a different way of approaching life. I mean, people are very orderly. They wait for each other. They're very kind and polite. And coming from a place like here with the hustle and bustle and everyone's trying to do their own thing, like that was very refreshing. Um, and being able to spend time there and actually have relationships with people there, that kind of also gave me a deeper insight into... I don't know, just how they thought and, and approached life and their core values mm. and how, like, yeah, in, in terms of, I don't know, being super individual or super group mindset, they were definitely towards the group mindset. And that coming from, from like how I was raised and where I'm from is like, oh, that's very different. Wow. So yeah, there are a lot of things, a lot of differences and happy to talk about those more if you have anything specific that you want to go over. Yeah, I love to know um, in terms of just like the or the characteristics that you felt from Japanese mm-hmm. people or the culture you felt like. What were some? How do I describe it? Like indicator of God's quality that you feel like He instilled in the Japanese. Like for like for example, when I think of um, 
like let's let's just say like the u.s or something the u.s i feel like um the quality that i think of is freedom like freedom is something that Hmm. Mm -hmm. i think people can characterize as like part of the u.s um it's it's something that I think Americans like pride yeah. ourselves in and, and it is a good quality that is from God, um, if if not twisted for evil. And I, I love to I love to just like hear from you, like what are some qualities that you think are God given that are um it doesn't have to be like distinctly in the Japanese people, but that that it's a quality mm-hmm. that they wear really well. Yeah. I think that there there's a few things that come to mind. Um, one, one of which is they're deeply tied to tradition. And I think with, I mean, America is what, like 300 years old at the most, you know, (laughs) compared to Japan is as old as you can almost get. And so just seeing how like they treat and revere spaces or places or, um, cultural things and habits, like there's just a deep appreciation for, what people have done before them and honoring that. And that was very like, oh, I never even really thought about approaching a, like something that way or a conversation that way or how I talk to someone that way. And so like they even have three different like dialects, basically. Each person knows they have like a, a formal, like super, super formal that you'll talk to someone that's older than you. I think it's called Kego. And it's like that's a completely different style of talking because you have to honor and like really show respect to someone versus talking to a person versus talking to like a child or like a business person. Like they're all different kinds of like ways to approach language. And I thought that was super fascinating too. It's even represented in how they're speaking, not just like their actions or what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, did you, did you find that in the church as well? Like when you were attending church in Nagoya, did you find that like people Mm -hmm. use different, I don't know, like formalities with the elders and then like peers and then younger, younger kids or something. You know, a little bit, but not as much because we wanted to be in a space and set and have a culture where you could come as you are mm. and you didn't have to try to pretend to be something or someone. Mm. So I think that was one of the blessings of being, uh, a kind of like an outsider there is people were willing to talk to me differently than they would like they I don't know how many times like after after getting to know people or relationships and as soon as they kind of got a little bit deeper than the surface I heard like I don't I I couldn't ever tell a Japanese person this or I couldn't ever tell I've never told someone this before and they felt comfortable talking to me because I was a little bit outside of their culture and they could speak openly and honestly to me when they can't necessarily do that all the time unless it's in like a very trusted space just because of how their culture is set oh that's so interesting um Mm -hmm. so you find that there is I guess like a level of I don't know if like intimacy is the right word, but like, but like, mm-hmm. um, going deep with individuals or like people is not mm-hmm. a, is not as common as, as, as you experience in, in the States or. It wasn't necessarily in the States. It was just on their end. They have to save a certain amount of face when they talk to people. Mm. 
So they they have to be put together. They can't, you know, they have to... There's a, there's a certain amount of cultural responsibility to make it seem like everything is okay. Oh, got it. And, f- and when they talked to me, they didn't feel that same cultural pressure. So they're able to say, hey, I'm really struggling with this, or this has been really hard, and I don't know what to do. And that isn't super common, at least my understanding, um, amongst typical friends. It was a little bit different in our church, though. Like, we had very open relationships with each other. And I think that's why, that's one of the, the huge benefits of um, forming relationships around Christ yeah. is just the ability to be able to speak openly and honestly in spaces where you can't, or it's not traditionally okay to do so. Yeah, why, why do you think that is where people feel like they have to save face or like unable to talk freely about I guess like the more negative things in life or the challenges that they're going through um it was my it was always kind of my understanding that they just there was they're very 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 proud people Mm -hmm. and I think that's awesome Mm -hmm. and part of that is having everything together and always being okay Mm -hmm. and if something's not okay you grind it out until it is okay and so that could have just been some of the relationships that I had, but over the, the, the years that I was there, it, it was pretty apparent that going at all against the cultural norm of that was just, it, it was not always appreciated and welcome in most spaces. Yeah, talking about cultural norm, uh, from my understanding of just Japan and its culture, um, it is... Mm-hmm. I would say that it's not a super individualistic society. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, and how, like, how do you see that play into the church in both um, positive and also negative ways? Um, or, or if there's, or if you only see one way, like, feel free to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I could talk about the church that that I was at. It was called His Call in Nagoya, and they had a few different sites, um, which is kind of crazy for a Japanese church because, I mean, Japan's like 1% Christian as it is, Mm -hmm. so for a church to have like more than one one site was pretty cool. It was very, yeah, very unique, and so it was a good mix of foreigners and Japanese people, so I thought that that was kind of interesting. Um, they would have a traditional Japanese service at, I think, 7.30 or 8. And then they had a mixed service that was half in English and half in uh, in Japanese. Both everything. Worship songs were half and half. Messages were half and half. There was always a translator on stage. Um, and there was one service like that and then a service called J-Mix, which was a like young adults kind of college age service. And so um, each service kind of brought in their older like a different crowd and i think within that crowd you could kind of parse out um what the needs were and how they're being met and there were definitely times of spaces that that needed a little bit more attention than others and so you're talking a little bit about like the individual versus the collective. And so uh, there was 
kind of almost different language that was used depending on who was there. Like the 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 young adult service, it was very like challenging language of I don't know, like tr- just encouraging of being open and honest and different, and that meant different because typically it didn't. Versus in some of the other services, it was more kind of foundational, like what does love mean or what does hope mean? Because these are all kind of foreign concepts there as we understand them. And so, I don't know, there's just, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of, of things that are in my brain right now that are swirling <laughs> around, so I'm trying to, We can, we can know, have what a out of second that? episode for, yeah. <laughs> for tease out more okay. of these, yeah. Great, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, thanks for highlighting that because, like, from from my experience, um, at least with the churches in Japan, I feel like, like, I don't, not that I don't find disagreements, um, but people tend to not rock the boat or go against tradition. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier, like tradition is is very very important, and I think there's beauty in that at the same time um if if a church or a program or or like a ministry is trying to adopt something new there's always i think i find i personally find that like oftentimes there's more resistance in that sense um than let's say like our church back in uh, menlo park like sanctuary where it's made up young adults Mm -hmm. and and it's kind of like, oh, you want to do that? Sure, like, go after it. You want to, like, start a prayer group? Like, sure, just do it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just mm-hmm. I just find that interesting. And I just find it, like, interesting and also encouraging to know that, like, the body of Christ throughout the world, like, we are all imperfect. But, like, God has... God has specifically placed us in different geographical location and also like time throughout history for, for, mm-hmm. for a purpose. Um, and I love for you to talk a little bit about like, what did it, what did it feel like, or what was your experience like being, being Christian in Japan and Nagoya? Um, because it is less than like 2% or 1% Christian. Um, like knowing that you're definitely not in the majority at the same time knowing that god has placed you there for a specific reason how did mm-hmm. that shape your shape your experience at the time it came in waves of being very happy and excited mm-hmm. and also very frustrated oh, and disappointed okay. yeah so at first I, I moved there and things were great. I found this awesome church yeah. and it was super fun and there's you know, it was alive and there are other people that spoke English, so that was great. Yeah. And then about six months in I was like, God, why did you bring me here? Like what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like this church is so different. They do things completely opposite of how, you know, I would do them. Everyone's like different and it's hard and I feel like I made a mistake coming here and then about a year in there was just kind of something that switched and I started serving and getting more involved with life groups and then after that it was like oh like okay I actually do have like I can see why God brought me here but for a good part of it it was like I don't know what I'm doing here like <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know did I make a mistake so that's so interesting like during the season um when you feel like you were in the dark or like 
kind of mm-hmm. unclear of your mission or purpose. Can you talk a little bit about the process of like being in kind of like the mess, like being in the in the dirt of things and not having clarity, right. like from that point to the point of clarity, like what were some things that you recall God did or that you did that helped you gain back that clarity, like kind of like get back on track of like, okay, like this is, this is why God sent me here to Japan. This is why I'm here. So like the process of mm-hmm. regaining that purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a, a big lesson that looking back, I can kind of identify the work that God was doing, but in the in the moment, it would, I I don't know if I could have said it or articulated it, but a big part of why God brought me there in the first place was to give control over to Him. And again, like I, as, as I had my career all set out, and I was I would have been good. Um, and by choosing to live for Him, He really needed me to live for Him, and so. Six months in, when I'm trying to do things my way, and I think that things should be done, or, you know, they should be doing like this, or I don't like, you know, this or that, and I have to submit to a different different way and give up my control. That was really hard. So hard. And then, <laughs> yep. And then, you know, a few months, six months of frustration and highs and lows later, um, I started serving. And that was kind of a bigger switch. It was like, okay, I don't need to be the person. I don't need to be, you know, going over there. I thought, okay, great. God called me there. And now I'm going to be like talking to all these people and things are going to be great. And, you know, that just didn't happen. It didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go at all. And it was really serving in like the most behind the scenes, set up chairs and take down chairs way kind of possible that God was like, okay, like I need I needed you to say, okay, God, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. And if that means stacking chairs, that means stacking chairs. And so I kind of had to get humbled and refresh my perspective to I'm here to serve God. I'm not here to serve me. And I'm going to give, you know, God that control. And he's going to get me through each day. And yeah, it might be hard, but at least, you know, I can rely on him to be there. That's really that one day at a time kind of a mindset, you know, that that's that set me down a path of getting to a a better place yeah i really appreciate you sharing that because i think god at least like for me personally i feel like god is continually to remind me that like he doesn't just want like one piece of my life like he wants everything and and Mm -hmm. i love that you touched on the point of like control it's like evangeline are you the one in control of your life in this area or like do you are you willing to Mm -hmm. surrender everything like my schedule my time my money my relationships like all to the lord and and it's a really difficult process because like in previous season i was like i got it (laughs) like i got it i'm good like Mm -hmm. i surrender Mm -hmm. but as like i don't know as i get older i'm like oh my gosh there's so many like areas that i need to continually continually surrender um Sure. Yeah, but I really appreciate you um, saying that about your experience in Japan because, um, at, at least from my time interacting with you at Menlo Menlo Church at Sanctuary, um, yeah, like I, I feel like you are such a humble leader, and 
I not only see you in the spotlight, but I also see you behind the scenes. Like you are still stacking chairs. And I, I, I just, I really yep. appreciate that about you that, yeah, that you're not afraid of like going in the mess and like doing the grunt work. Um, so mm-hmm. I think, I think for me as like a younger sister, um, that's something that I really admire about you that I, that I wanted to highlight. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah, and so back to the topic of Japan, since um, our podcast, the podcast is about that. Um, in terms of Japan, um, when you were there, how did you experience God's love? Like, mm. if it, were there like a specific moment, or just like you can talk about a specific mm-hmm. moment, or just like overall like how you experience God's love during the season when you were in Japan from 2015 to 2017. Yeah. There were, like, when I first got there, Mm -hmm. I couldn't talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. Couldn't read any of the signs. Had no idea where I lived. And so it was like a, God, you got me into this. You need to get me out of this Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. And so even going to the grocery store was hard. Or walking to you know to the train station to try to figure out where i was supposed to go to work for that day like it was a daily like i don't know how to get to where i'm supposed to go and i have to be there at a certain time this is hard and god you need to help me with this and so it was really like reliance on him daily that shaped a a better understanding and a better like relationship with him as opposed to just being able to get through my day to day and remember to pray every once in a while. It was like, Oh no, like I need to pray just to make sure I get to the train. Like I don't even know where it is. (laughs) And so it was, it was things like that. And then once that kind of got comfortable and I was in a rhythm with that, then it was more so relationships wise, like God, who are you bringing into my life? How can I be, you know, a light for them? Because I know that's why you want me to be here, please put me in places in which I could reach people and, and, and talk to people. And then there were really tough relationships, but there were also really, really sweet relationships. And there are a few friends that I still have that are like, oh man, those are like great people. And I could see God's love through them. Um, and just being taken to beautiful places as well. Yeah. Like, it felt like traveling around Japan too on breaks or um, when we would host missions teams and some of the missions teams are like now lifelong friends. It's like, oh, like there, there's a lot of sweetness from this as well. What were some of like your favorite places that you got to travel to while in Japan? Because I, I love, I love traveling yeah. within Japan too. And it's like such a fun, it's, it's so it's fun. It's so yeah. fun. <laughs> it's so fun. Um. Let's see, I'll, I'll give a, a standard answer and then I'll give a, like a local yes. answer for yes. Nagoya. Um, one of my favorite places for sure was Sapporo. Um, going to Hokkaido in winter was like so, so, so fun because it was just built for winter. You could get around okay. You could take a bus from the train station to go skiing and then take a bus to go to Ramen Alley after oh. and like eat all these different kinds of ramen. So that was great. That was super, super fun. Um, yeah. and then there are a few places in Nagoya that were like an hour north in, in the mountains. There was a town called Takayama and they're famous for Hida beef, which is kind of like Wagyu style beef. Ooh. 
And so you could just take a train, like a beautiful train ride, like an hour and a half up into like basically the foothills and mountains. And you could stay in an old like straw style house and like Ryokens and stuff and like with great onsens and great food. And that was like my little mini paradise outside of the city. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Hearing you talk about it makes me miss Japan a lot. Uh, we're, we're so oh, yeah, shut down, so can't, can't travel right now. But one day, right. one day, Mark, we'll have to go together with yeah. Missy and, so and Jess. That'll be so fun. Yeah. Yeah. That would be. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is towards the end of our episode. Um, but before we wrap mm-hmm. up, Mark, would it be okay if I asked you to say a prayer slash praise um for japan so we can't you can literally go any direction that you want this is this podcast is for jesus so feel free to just say whatever you want yeah okay sounds good i'll do that now um god just thank you so much for this time thank you for vange and thank you for how you've uh inspired her to share the the deep love that you have for Japan. I just pray that. Uh, God, you'd be with all my friends that are there and all the family that I've made that are over there. God, that you would continue to comfort them and just prod them on and and remind them how, how good you are and how sweet you are. Uh, and I just pray that as people listen to this and as people are going to um, eventually get to go and visit and spend time in Japan, that they would be carriers of you there. Um, that people would be able to form relationships that are deep and with the people in Japan um, to help experience um, and show your love, God. And I just pray that, man, that you would just continually bless the churches that are there. We pray for more churches. Yeah. Um, we pray for more worship. We pray for more relationships. Uh, God, and I'm just grateful that we can come together in this time in our houses in California, um, but feel like we are helping in a movement in Japan, God. So um, just be with everyone there. Edify your church there, God. And we're just so grateful that you have a place like that and that you created this world to have such special and unique people and food and and land, God. And I just pray that... Um, they would be able to experience the freedom that that you're promising God. So pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark, for that beautiful prayer. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. before I end end this episode, this is one question that I will be asking everybody. Um, okay. What is something that is from Japan or like a Japanese food or an item or a phrase, like anything that's like japanese that you cannot live without? <laughs> So it can be anything, but what is something oh, that's man. like Japanese related that you can't live without? That's a great question. <laughs> Take your time. That's a great question. Take your time. There's yeah. so, I bet there's so many things. Yeah. I'm thinking of how I can narrow it down. <laughs> there are these things that I started collecting when I was there and they're called tenugui. Oh, okay. They're basically the tea towels that will be in different places. And so in every different city or like museum or whatever I'd go to, I would buy these tea towels and they were either, they're usually like 10 bucks or something, Uh 
Um, but now we use them all over our house. We have them as decoration. We have them as like, I don't know, underneath our bowls and plates. We have them as separators. We have them as towels for like when I get hot and sweaty and I have one in the freezer so I could just put it around my head like a real Japanese person. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, those, I, I don't know if I can't really live without them, but I would be very sad if I didn't have them. So yes. that's my thing. I love your answer. And I still have the spirited away one that you gave me from a yeah. while back. That's awesome. That one was great. That one was actually from a Studio Ghibli store in Nagoya. They had one at the... It wasn't the main train station, but it was uh, in a place called Sakae, which is the downtown part. It was a few stops away, and they had a big Ghibli store with a giant Totoro and big tree in it, and it was just <laughs> the funnest place to go. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. cool. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark, yeah. thank you so much um, for taking your time to be my first guest on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Vange. Anytime you want me to back, I'd be happy to be here. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mark. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, again, the purpose of this podcast is to showcase how much God loves Japan through people. Um, if you would like to mm-hmm. share your experience with us on the podcast, feel free to email me at carepackagetojapan at gmail.com, and we would love to have you on the show as well. So that's it, everybody. Have a good rest of your day. Until next time. Okay. Bye, everybody. Cut.